for joining me for another episode of Plugged In, a post-media podcast taking you down Canada's electric vehicle highway. I'm your host, Andrew McCready. Today we're joined by a man who can truly be described as a global pioneer of the EV revolution. Kent Rothwell is the visionary behind Canada's first cross-Canada EV charging network, called the Sun Country Highway and completed in 2013 in just one year, and done so, it should be noted, without any government or corporate funding or assistance. Sustainability is at the core of everything Kent does. In 2007, he and his wife Erin bought Sun Country Farms in Saskatchewan and developed it into the world's most economically, environmentally, and socially sustainable wild bird seed company. His national and global awards include the world's best automotive solution of 2013, the greenest transportation and manufacturing company in Canada for 2016, he was a 2017 Manning Award finalist, top green projects in Canada for 2018, and a backdated Guinness World Record for the longest journey by an electric vehicle. Thanks for joining us today, Kent. Thank you, Andrew, for having me. So before we get to all the wonderful things, which is Sun Country Highway and, and your pioneering ways in the electric vehicle space, I'd like to ask you, what's the first electric vehicle you ever drove? A Tesla Roadster. Wow. So that was... 22, what, what, 2006, 2007, early days, I guess. No, no, it was actually uh, 2011. Um, prior to that, I didn't even know, you know, uh, any, that, that there really was any electric vehicles available in Canada. And uh, that was really the first. Your impression at the time? Well, I was in uh, uh, Palo Alto, California, and I took it, for a, took it for a test drive. And it was just mind-blowing, absolutely amazing. So, and then when they told me it cost some, cost around, around $10 Canadian to fill it up, it was just, whoa, this is crazy. So, you know, to go about 350 kilometers, right, or more. So at that point, it was like, okay, I got to have one of these. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's get on to the, the matter at hand, which is um, your, your, your wonderful history with Sun Country Highway. How does a guy go from manufacturing and selling bird seed to creating a revolutionary cross Canada electric vehicle charging network? Well, ultimately, um, ultimately it's fear, you know, fear if we don't change, uh, change the direction of the, uh, you know, humanity, uh, that there might not be one in the future. And I've been working at it for 30 years, pretty much flat out at around a thousand miles an hour. So, um, you know, it's been part of the plan for three decades. Sorry. So when you say working at it, but not in an electric vehicle space, was that something more, I mean, sustainability obviously is something you've, you've pursued your whole career. Right. Yeah. No, it's, it's quite simply the basic carbon pie, you know, where, where it states that say, you know, a quarter of the you know, the emissions are from transportation and, you know, around another quarter is from power generation and such. And, and then you have manufacturing and food production and living. So really that's the carbon pie. Uh, that I've been working on for 30 years to to create sustainable models in each of those sectors uh, of those pieces of pies to to allow people to believe that they can uh, those sectors can go to uh, zero emission and maybe beyond. So so many there's so many entry le- entry points for that in the electric vehicle space. Um, you could have put yourself into battery research. You could have created a, a EV manufacturing company. Why a charging network? Well, uh, like really the Tesla, Tesla had it with the Roadster, um, although they were almost out of money and, and pretty much bankrupt. Um, they, had the, they had the car, right? They had the technology. It was fast and sexy. It could travel long distances. And um, 
Um, whether they could travel in the cold or not was uncertain, but ultimately, you know, it was it. It would allow people to believe that electric cars could be fast and sexy and powerful. And um, and uh, now we just needed to prove that they could actually uh, go places and not just travel travel close to home where where you could charge it up at the house, but to actually allow it to travel across a province, a state, a nation, and and a continent. And uh, that's that's where you know I came in was it was just solving that problem and. And it was such a significant achievement that it would uh, spread around the world uh, thanks to media personalities like yourself and stories and social media that um, that if people could believe in that and see it and they understood that he actually drove across the country and did it that, you know, out, you know, um, in a Zermachin car in the middle of a Canadian winter, um, then, uh, then, there's, then EVs can survive. But without that, I didn't think that Tesla nor any other EV company would survive um, the challenge because, you know, over 99% of people were really didn't believe in electric vehicles were against them. You know, auto companies didn't really have any support for them. Um, it was really a difficult time uh, for the EV to survive. Kind of explain to listeners how it grew from, I mean, where was the first station and then how did it kind of organically grow um, across the country? Well, it, um, I wouldn't say it organically grew. Um, it was, uh, you know, ultimately, you know, when I was in, in Palo Alto and after I took, I took a test for a test drive, I realized that this company was pretty much out of business. Um, if we couldn't, if somebody didn't prove that they could travel because Tesla didn't have EV infrastructure, they, did, they weren't putting it in at all. Um, you know, if somebody didn't do it and, and prove that the electric car could travel, they were done as far as I was concerned. And so the idea was to, you know, figure out a... A charging station that would work for all electric vehicles, even though there really wasn't um, many at all, uh, or that you could really get access to in Canada. But, but ultimately, you know, um, uh, put in if if the longest highway in the world, which is the Trans Canada, could be electrified all the way from Victoria to St. John's, Newfoundland, um, and you could travel the whole distance in a Tesla Roadster, which is a fast and sexy, beautiful car with no tailpipe emissions. Uh, but the final clincher was if you could travel for free. So not only had an electric vehicle infrastructure never been created across a nation uh, or, you know, uh, across a continent, um, you know, um, n- you know, for the first time in history, but not only, you know, you could never travel across in a, in, in, in a vehicle for free before. So, and it was really the free that, that was the, the goal to resonate with people because if they could believe that they could travel a continent for free, that would shake their mindset up enough to believe in, in an electric vehicle. Um, and which could then become zero emission um, and then ultimately potentially carbon negative. So that's, uh, that's where it all came from. And, um, and we, we basically just went along to Trans-Canada and knocking on a lot of doors saying, hey, we'll give you a charger worth thousands of dollars uh, if, you, you know, if you put it in. And, um, and uh, with this, not only can you make Canada the world leader in this space, but you can change the direction of the of the world uh, to c- prove that zero emission transportation was possible. And, you know, it's more so about hope and inspiration. Um, you know, if, if, uh, if, if this was possible, what else is, what else is possible? And that was really the concept behind it. So um, we didn't have legal agreements with these locations. You know, we just showed up and said the first one in, in town to be able to, you know, put one of these in, um, get it right and um we'll uh, we'll try to get some media for you and promote all the you know um you know the, the the great story that this is in your local community 
So what year would have been the first knock on a door? 2012. Um, we, uh, we launched the, uh, the trans or at the uh, Toronto international auto show. Um, and, um, and, you know, drove from <laughs> electrified the highway from Ottawa to Toronto and then drove it in the Tesla and a roadster and, it, and, and arrived just, just the, the day before, um, the auto show was to arrive because, you know, that's the auto, biggest auto show in Canada. So there's, you know, over a hundred thousand people that show up and to be able to see a really cool, fast, sexy car that drove here all the way from Ottawa was, uh, was mind blowing, you know, and, um, for almost two weeks straight, um, we had massive amounts of people at, at our at our booth. Um, most of the most of the time, the show was open. It was pretty pretty unbelievable that you could travel from Ottawa to Toronto in a hundred percent electric vehicle. Number one, but number two, that they could do it for free, and the infrastructure was in along the way. So, looking looking at you know where we're at today, it was it, it it's laughable that it was such a, a a massive story at that point going from Ottawa to Toronto, but it was. Right, and these were level level two chargers you were installing. Yes, yes. So, um, um, you know, I had a crash course um, in 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 the the uh, I wouldn't even call it an industry, but in regards to EV charging. So, um, the manufacturer that we that we were told to, you know, Tesla recommended one and one only, and we went there. I went there and uh, and learned about charging and uh, how it worked and. And the, the universal plug, the J1772, even though Tesla used a different one at that point. Um, and we, uh, so it was like, okay, no, we want to make sure this is for all electric vehicles. And uh, it doesn't matter how much money you have, you know, you should be able to plug into this charging network and travel for free. And, um, and so uh, then I realized that the, that the Tesla Roadster would take, um, you know, over 12 hours to charge. Um, on a uh, on a 40 amp charger, which is the standard charger for North America, and uh, so I asked you know uh, the manufacturer, what's the biggest charger you ever made? And they said, well, I made a 100 amp uh, for a truck uh, before. And I said, is it bulletproof? Will it work in like the worst climate probably in the world and and at any time? And uh, and uh, you know I don't it doesn't need to be sexy. I just want it to work when people plug into it in the middle of the night. And and um, so um, yeah, so. I said, okay, well, that's what I want. I want that J1772 plug in that 100 amp charge. And they said, well, we don't really offer that. And I was like, well, that's what I want. And they said, well, the Roadster won't even charge in 100 amp. It'll only charge at 90. So I said, okay, then I'll take that one and I'll put that on the J1772 plug. So that's sort of where our high powered network came in because, uh, um, you know, we can take that from over a 12 hour charge down to around three and a half hours um, to go about 350 kilometers. So about 100 kilometers an hour uh, worth of um, charge, uh, charge, or, you know, um, distance we could get. So it was pretty, pretty quick compared to say 25 kilometers an hour on a regular charger. Your initial plan though, was to build this network. Was it to build chargers? I mean, today you're a, you're, you're a high profile manufacturer of chargers. Was that always in the cards you thought? No, no. Like, um, like we have, um, um, you know, the, the goal was just to shatter, knock down the barriers, holding back the electric car for over a century, you know, globally. And uh, that was it, right? It was more of a charitable exercise, and um, and um, it would have been a charity, but but um, it, I heard that it would take three years to set up a, a charity. So obviously, I figured Tesla would be gone by then, and the electric vehicle would be dead. And um, and so uh, I set it up in a in a regular um, regular for profit corporation, 
and uh, and then just gave them all away. So um, it wasn't really a, a typical for-profit uh, uh, business model. So the model is just really to inspire Canadians uh, to spread the word and, and have that word go around the world and then have people globally believe that electric vehicles could actually travel for the first time in history and travel across the, a great country like Canada and a cold country like Canada in a fast and sexy car with no tailpipe emissions and for free and and figured if we could get that message out there globally enough, then then the electric car globally would survive. So the undertaking of building that is remarkable in itself, but I think listeners would be equally impressed by the fact that you did this with no government funding whatsoever. No, there was just no time to even talk to governments. Um, you know, and, and really, you know, everyone thought it was crazy anyway when they heard what we were trying to do. So, you know, the difficult, you know, situation for governments um, is, you know, they really can't, um, support things that, that seem completely ludicrous have never been done before in history anywhere in the world. And, and neither can large corporations, right? You could, you can imagine trying to message that up your corporate ladder, you know, they'd look at you like you had horns. Right. And, um, and so really it was about finding, um, people across Canada and it would have been way cheaper for us to pay for the install at that time, like way cheaper, probably by 10 or $20,000 cheaper per site, but we, we, I wanted to find the right people in the right communities that would actually dig into their pocket and support a crazy idea. Um, because if they did, uh, not only would they know their spouses or, or golf buddies or staff or clients or neighbors would, would call them nuts, but you know, it was to find those people that would, would be uh, the best location in that area for when somebody in an electric car came along. And, um, and then they, you know, the host location was so excited to see them and give them away free, like give away free electricity to them, uh, to charge up their car and then buy them beer and dinner and this sort of thing. Right. Because, you know, um, if, 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 if people went back into the States or other places and, you know, told their friends or on social media going, you wouldn't believe it. I, I came to this place, they filled out my electric car for free. They bought me a beer and took me out for dinner <laughs> and sent me on my way. It's, it's incredible. Like that's what that's, you can do this in Canada, you know? Um, so, you know, it was really to, to make people step up and think twice about, you know, all, all the barriers holding back society or so, uh, uh, you know, back society and, and change really, you know, positive change that the world needed, uh, to be able to deal with, um, to deal with the climate change and, um, but also to inspire and, and, and add hope to the world because it's been sort of trending in the wrong direction for, for a while now. It must've been heartening to actually not only think about this idea of, of tapping the goodness of people and their perhaps vision that is similar to yours, but to actually have people agree to do it to the, to the extent that you did, which resulted in a network across the country. Yeah. Yeah. And continent. Right. And again, this was the first time in the history of the world that this was done. So like, that's really the magical part about all this is it wasn't just me. Um, you know, I put in a poison pill for this thing to fail and, uh, meaning that, we needed to electrify the highway in, in, in a year um, from St. John's, Victoria, you know, which had never been done before, obviously. But not, not only that, we needed to find really inspiring people that could be champions of change within their community um, and, and provide hope um, once, once uh, this all came to fruition and electric cars started showing up in their communities, even though most people said they never would. And, um, you know, it, 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 it was to inspire them and other people in their community to to be able to 
um, you know, basically, you know, take on the impossible and make it possible and in all different, you know, sectors of, of life, I guess, but really just to inspire local people and, and provide hope. And then, um, you know, prove that if, you know, if, if, um, you know, if somebody in their community can, you know, change the world, then maybe they can too. And we did it in, in every single province and many locations in, in every single province. So, you know, we brought together people of all different backgrounds and cultures, uh, economic classes and financial classes um, and um, uh, or education levels, right? Um, you know, different religions and, you know, old Canadians to new Canadians and, and, uh, and, and in different sectors, right? So we had people that just took the bull by the horns and, and just did it and got it done in their local community. And yeah, it, it was, it was a, you know, uh, it was a tremendous feat in itself, but then to find those, those, those local people and to prove that this was possible to do that in a year was, you know, looking back, sorry, crazy. Um, but, um, but, but it's also the most inspiring part of, part of all of this because it shows the, that the world can work, right. That people from all different backgrounds can come together and change the world and, and really they're needed, right. Because again, no corporation or government would, would have taken on this challenge. It was just way too far out there. Of course, now we're seeing corporations take on that, that, that challenge. And a bit ironically, um, an oil company, Petro-Canada, is making a, a or is, is well on its way to connecting the country with uh, fast chargers across the country. Um, Electrify Canada is, is also a company, a corporation that is doing the same. So are you, are you glad to see that? Was that the whole idea that, that once I did this, you thought to yourself, it would be a proven thing and then others would follow? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. So, you know, and not only uh, did they, did they follow, but, you know, as you said, you know, even, even Petro Canada uh, did it, uh, but they, 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 they've done mainland. They haven't done Newfoundland yet. So they haven't done the whole Trans Canada yet. Um, even though they've been messaging that they're the first electric highway across the country. So, um, but we've actually, we actually, you know, the, you know, you know, no one's really replicated what we did. And this is almost a decade ago. So that's a little bit sad that it hasn't went faster. Um, and it wouldn't be going as fast as what it is without government subsidies that we're getting, you know, that, that, that people are getting now at the federal level. Um, so, you know, it's, um, it's great that everyone is doing this. And, and, um, and but they're, now they're sort of realizing that they're so, sort of forced to do it. Um, and... Um, and, you know, so when we did it, we did it without taxpayer money when it was completely ludicrous and there really wasn't any electric vehicles. And now now people are starting to realize that, OK, electric vehicles are coming. They do make sense. And, you know, if you look at, you know, how they can save people money and save the environment and save society at the same time, then that's great. But it's about, you know, what we did is it was unifying people. And we, we had a gas station. It wasn't a Petro Canada um, in, in, um, in New Brunswick. Uh, on the Trans-Canada Highway uh, when we did it in 2012. So it wasn't actually Petro-Canada. They weren't the first uh, gas station. It was a, it was a small independent uh, gas station. Uh, he didn't obviously ask his, uh, his, his brand or franchise to do it. He just did it. And, um, and, and that was really what this was about, was to show that people from all different categories and sectors can come together. And, and uh, whether it's good for them or not, you know, potentially down the road, uh, come together because it did need to be done and um, and uh, and it's worked right like we have people going to hotels and charging up and whether they charge a fee to charge up at the hotel or the hotel offers them free charging just to attract that customer to that hotel 
because the one thing that electric vehicles need is is they need they need a charge and uh, and if you're willing to provide a charger for them they're going to show up at your business and or, or your municipality um you know governments spend provincially um a whack of money on tourism but uh but you know they're um you know without charging stations they're getting no electric vehicles coming to see them so they'll spend the money on tourism but the best money for tourism to spend is actually on EV infrastructure so that people can actually travel that province and, and come up there and, and uh, not only travel with no tailpipe emissions, but also maybe travel for free, um, you know, because those businesses would would support um, charging vehicles to attract, you know, business to their locations. So it, uh, it's been pretty, pretty exciting to see how this is spread across Canada and then really around the world. Um, you know, in our, when we did the Trans Canada, we we pushed it from a year down to eight months because Tesla was really struggling. And, uh, and that, that doubled to tripled the cost just to try to get the trans Canada done in eight months rather than, rather than 12. But, uh, the first thing I did every morning was to see if Tesla, Tesla had disappeared, right. If they went bankrupt. And so, um, but yeah, there's just too much fear of that happening. If they did, the other car companies didn't have support, whether it's from their shareholders or, you know, average individuals, their employees, even media at that point, right? I didn't support electric vehicles. So uh, if Tesla died, then then the rest of them would have lost all their support to keep going. Has Elon Musk ever sent you a thank you card? <laughs> Elon Musk is way too busy. So um, no, no, like, um, um, you know, like this is really for everybody. And, and you know, um, um, even even the oil industry, you know, like in Canada, the oil industry is incredibly important. It's paid for a lot of things, right? And um, you know, if uh, if Canadians, you know, the reason that they exist is because Canadians use a lot of oil, and um, you know, they're just filling a demand, right? And um, and uh, you know, really the same with the the pipelines and stuff, right? So um, you know, but once once the oil companies realize that there's a transition um, in transportation and other categories to go greener, then, then they'll be there. Right. And, you know, they're very, they have, they have very deep pockets and uh, we want them to be a part of the transition and, and move forward and, and be successful in it. Um, as long as we can get to zero emission transportation and zero emission manufacturing and zero emission living and um, you name it, then, then, you know, we definitely want them to be part of it. But I think a lot of, a lot of companies now are realizing that if they're not part of it, then uh, they won't be around. And, um, um, you know, back then there was really no sustainability directors or, you know, it wasn't really even used, um, you know, around a decade ago. Uh, but now pretty much every corporation has one. And, uh, you know, somebody focusing on the sustainability side for their organization um, because they do want to make change, positive change. But they're starting to probably realize also that if they don't, they won't have customer support or consumer support um, or they'll be left in the dust. Um, so, so, yeah. so it's pretty cool to see what's what's happening. You kind of touched on this just briefly earlier. Um, so it's almost a decade since you've done this. Had you have been asked back then, what will 2020 look like in terms of the electric vehicle space in Canada? Is it where you would think it is? Are we behind where you thought it is? Or are we further ahead? Well, um, the biggest issue really, um, well, I'll, 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 I'll start with, um, you know, in their first year, not only did we electrify the whole Trans-Canada Highway and the whole length of it, not a part, part, portion of it, 
Uh, but we also did the first island in the world and the first um, province, state, or nation in the world. So the first island in the world was Vancouver Island that you could travel across the whole the whole um, uh, island um, in a Zermission tailpipe uh, electric vehicle for free. And then PI was the first province, state, or nation in the world that you could travel 100% of the region in a 100% electric vehicle, 100% for free. And then we did the longest highway in the world to prove that if the longest highway in the world is possible, then every other highway in the world is possible too, to be able to travel in a zero emission uh, tailpipe vehicle and for free. Um, so, um, so the media um, really, really took this uh, up globally. Um, we have many thousands of articles in, in, in different languages and you know, pretty much every language in script, I would say. Um, There's a company that was tracking all of that and, and they showed me the dashboard and they said, what's... I said, what's that green dot? And they said, well, that's a pie. And I was like, okay, well, what's green mean? They mean that every story around the world is positive based upon what, you know, what, um, what you did. And I was like, oh, okay, well, that's good. Well, how many stories are they? And then they started going through them all and they were pulling up links to them and you could you obviously couldn't read them um, just because they're in different languages or scripts. And it was really cool. So the media was amazing. Um, but uh, part of this also was to empower, say, um, a little a little Dutch boy that says that, that say ten years old that read some reporter's article in um, in Canada stating that hey these uh, um, this electric car traveled all across Canada in the middle of Canadian winter with no tailpipe emissions and for free, you know, and over the Rocky Mountains, right? So a ten year old Dutch kid in in, in the Netherlands say. Eh? reads this, but then he reads a reporter's story in Holland saying, oh, electric cars are no good. You know, it'll never succeed in Holland, right? But what we did, or, or you know, if you saw a report from England or other countries around the world, but what the, the plan was to inspire these, you know, 10-year-old kids um, to, to respond back to the reporters and say, hey, uh, you might want to check your facts because, you know, if electric, if you're saying um, um, that electric cars won't work, um, because there's, there, it's too far to drive or it's too cold or this sort of thing uh, in our country, whether it's you know, anywhere in Europe or Holland or England, um, you better take a look at this story because uh, this electric car drove all the way across Canada, um, you know, over 10,000 kilometers in the middle of a Canadian winter and for free. So you might want to get your story, you know, your story's correct. Um, or your, your, um, you might want to get your data um, before you actually start you know spewing out the electric cars are no good right so that's really what the concept was and we did right and um and so that that spread around the world in social media form and obviously more than just 10 year old kids that saw this that would spread it locally and internationally um but um going back to your question i really thought that we would be along further uh, today, because the second year, like after we did the Trans Canada, the first island in the world, and the first province in the world, the second year we did the second province in the world, the third province in the world, and pretty much every highway up in, in Quebec and Ontario, like virtually everywhere, and um, and most in Manitoba, Saskatchewan, Alberta, and BC, um, other than some of the top top parts of those provinces. But we connected 99% of the population in Canada and allowed them to travel in a 100% electric vehicle. Uh, with no tailpipe missions and for free, right? So I really thought that it'd be further along today than 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 that. Um, and 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 the reason is is uh, the main reason is Canadians haven't been able to get all the electric vehicles that they've wanted. So you know they've they've been really limited on on the amount of vehicles that they can get um, to come across the border. And um, 
and that's really been the biggest the biggest hurdle holding back you know electric vehicle adoption um, in in Canada I would say in the last um, in the last well, quite a few number of years was being able to access the vehicles that kind of leads to my final question I hate to hate to cut us off because uh, you're a fascinating guy Kent and you've done really inspiring stuff with this but so so in your mind what is the EV tipping point I mean where in Canada or globally do we is the metric that we have EV adoption that is here to stay sure um, well that's the pickup trucks plain and simple pickup trucks so as soon as the pickup trucks start rolling um, you know that's it um, it is going to just accelerate if, if the automakers, provide enough vehicles to fill the demand in Canada, um, you know, it will, it will absolutely explode within probably two years. And, uh, and if you don't have a charge rate, your business or um, in your municipality um, or in your condos or apartment buildings, you're going to have a hard time uh, attracting people because I know people have been selling condos for quite a few years now because they wanted to sell their, they, they couldn't get a charger in their condo. So they had to sell to move to another condo to be able to get a charger charging station in. Um, but, you know, we're seeing it in electric trucks, electric buses, um, you know, boats, snowmobiles, jet skis, you name it, right? So, and that was really the idea of the Trans-Canada Highway was not just to prove that an electric car can travel across Canada. It was to prove that electric transportation is possible and that carbon pie in Canada is about 24% of all, of all emissions is um, is transportation. And um, And so, you know, the goal is just to take that to zero in that pie and then implement the same thing in the other pies out there, um, such as manufacturing, living food production, you name it. Right. But we can bring along the, you know, the fossil fuel companies and, you know, they're starting to spend the money into this. And so is, so, you know, agriculture as well, like we're getting electric uh, tractors now. So, um, you know, but the real tipping point is, is pickup trucks because what it's going to do is take it from sort of a niche market in the, on the coasts, you know, along the West coast and, East Coast a bit, and it's actually going to bring it right into the the Midwest and the Canadian prairies, um, and that's 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 the pickup truck, and, and only the pickup truck can do that, um, because um, you know that, that's where pickup trucks are, are mostly needed. Is you know, is in the rural areas, not so much in the cities. So um, you know, we're already seeing electric delivery fleets uh, start up. Um, that's key, but the tipping point is absolutely pickup trucks. Excellent, Kent. Well, thanks again for joining us today. It was a fascinating talk with you. Thank you very much, uh, Andrew, and uh, uh, congrats on what you're doing and keep up the good work. Uh, We need a lot more of you out there. Okay, thank you. If Kent Rathwell never does another thing in the name of sustainability and environmentalism, he will go down as one of the most impactful Canadians in terms of bringing awareness and momentum to the EV revolution. But it's not just in transportation that Kent has helped create some of the most economic, social, and environmentally sustainable models. He has played a guiding role in segments as diverse as the food, fertilizer, manufacturing, processing, retail, pet, nanotech, waste, and film industries. And as you can tell from our talk, the passion still burns bright. That's it for this episode. Thanks to my guest Kent Rathwell, producer extraordinaire Darm McWana, and you for joining me on another electrifying journey down the EV highway. We always welcome your comments and criticisms via email at pluggedin at postmedia.com. For your daily dose of automotive news, views, and reviews, be sure to check out driving.ca. And also be sure to subscribe to Plugged In wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. 
That way you'll never miss an episode and you'll also be able to listen to all the episodes from seasons one and two.